Hey friends, welcome back to this week's episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. I'm your non-diet dietitian, trainer, and host, Katie, and this is episode 237. Now, I'm super excited for you to listen to today's episode. I had the pleasure of interviewing coworker, friend, fellow trainer, Shelby Graves here. She's local here in the Indianapolis area where I live. And it really is a great theme of what we're going to kick off this month. So at the time of this recording, this is going live in February. We're going to do a self-love challenge. Why? Because we know that on your non-diet journey, it can be hard to have compassion for yourself, to understand the difference between giving yourself grace, but having some grit. And so we thought, wow, wouldn't it be fun if we could just give you an extra tool in your toolbox, a little reminder throughout this month, committing to just a small, tiny practice, maybe less than five minutes a day, if that, to work towards self-care, self-love, self-acceptance. We could replace so many words with that. So Today, Shelby is going to share her story with chronic illness, specifically living with ulcerative colitis. She's going to give her perspective on strength training, on just being a beginner. I've had so many conversations with clients lately and friends who they've been sick or have had a new season of life and they've realized they've really had to almost start over when it comes to movement. And it didn't, doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always feel good to start over because we often get stuck in that comparison trap. And a lot of times, yes, we compare ourselves to others, but more often we find ourselves comparing to ourselves or our former selves, right? So if you want to join the challenge, we totally invite you. You can find us on Instagram at KT Hake. We'll also post on the Fit Friends Happy Hour Instagram as well. Sorry, that has been dead for a little bit, but I want to bring it back to life. I promise I have more news to share with you soon, but now is not the time. So just know that that is on the radar because we want to bring that Instagram back to life because I love having all the podcast content there. So stay tuned to that. But another way you can join, just go to katiehake.com forward slash love. Put in your email. We'll send you a couple of reminders probably once a week about just, hey, how, what are you doing this week to take care of yourself? And we have a fun little graphic that we'll be sharing on Instagram. Again, just more tools in your toolbox to help you along your non-diet journey. So I hope you join. Regardless, hope your listeners subscribe, hit that review button. Let us know what you think because we're here to serve you and we want to help you and support you along this journey to be a more fierce version of you. So without further ado, on to the show. Welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour, a podcast about all things nutrition, fitness, and life in your 20s and 30s, all from a non-diet lens. I'm your host, Katie Hake, and I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified personal trainer. Join me here every week as I talk with interesting people and experts from all walks of life about their relationship with food and their bodies. I'll also share my experience working with clients in my private practice to help women find food freedom and body confidence. I'm on a mission to help you stop quantifying and start living. Learn to stop measuring your success by the scale and find your fierce. Shelby, welcome to Fit Friends Happy Hour. So happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. 
So for our listeners, Shelby and I work together at a local studio here in Indy, and I'm so excited for Shelby to be here and share her story, you know, fitness professional. So let's just start by sharing with us, you know, a little bit of background on you and how you actually got into fitness. Yeah. So my, I guess, fitness journey kind of started back around like 2012 or so. I was a sophomore in college. I studied exercise science. And that really kind of opened the door to learning more about strength training, learning more about kind of how having an active lifestyle benefits not only how you look, obviously, but how you feel. Tell us, so you studied, so you studied exercise science in college, correct? Mm -hmm. What did, you know, what did that look like for you personally? You know, did you start learning and then you got into it? Were you active kind of growing up? What was that? kind of learning aspect for you? Yeah, absolutely. I had always played sports growing up. Like I played softball for about 20 years, but I never really knew like kind of how to structure workouts, that kind of thing. Cause it's always been done for you. Like when you go, like when you play team sports, you're always just like, okay, what's the coach having me do today? That kind of thing. I never knew really how to like, okay, what am I supposed to do if I walk into a gym and I see all these different pieces of equipment you kind of don't really know where to start, where to end, and in between. So learning about that in school really helps kind of develop not only like my ability to feel more confident in the gym, but kind of like piqued my interest in learning about how to structure workouts. Yeah. And and for those listening, or can you share a little bit about like some of the classes? Because my so my major was in dietetics, but then my minor, I guess you could say, like my electives were in, were in health and fitness. But those were some of my favorite classes. So can you explain like some of the classes that you took and how you got so excited about? Because you're like actually in the gym, which sounds interesting. I don't know to me. Like, what do you mean you studied like for class? You went to the gym and they learned how to do things. Like, what were some of your favorite things that you studied and got into? One of my favorite classes, it was with our head strength and conditioning coach at our college. It was just basics of strength and conditioning kind of thing. Um, We just went in there. We learned all the like the major three exercises like uh, squat, deadlift, bench press. And then we also got to learn kind of the mechanics of a lot of Olympic lifting as well. I'm like, oh, this is actually really cool kind of thing. And like One of my favorite projects that we did in that class was he had us draw um, an exercise out of a hat. And then we had to demonstrate it in front of the whole class, like kind of teaching them the biomechanics of it. And that was super fun. Yeah. Like that is so fun that that school, like one of the classes where you're not actually sitting, sitting and listening to a lecture, like actually doing it. So, okay, shifting gears a little bit, you know, you have ulcerative colitis. First, can you explain to us, you know, what that is and walk us through a little bit of your journey of, you know, how, how did you even go about getting that diagnosis? Yeah, absolutely. So ulcerative colitis, it's just a chronic inflammatory disease in your large intestine. So it is basically means that the lining of your large intestine can get inflamed and develop ulcers. And it presents in other ways in the body as well, joint issues, that kind of thing. And obviously, like with gut health, we all kind of know that that affects overall health as well, like mental health, everything like that. Um, I was diagnosed with that when I was 17, kind of like just experiencing some really bad digestive issues. And my mom was like, okay, let's take you to the doctor, see what's going on. 
And they, so they ran a bunch of tests and like they came to this diagnosis and it has really been a journey ever since then, just because, I mean, I never knew anything about that. You don't expect at 17 to be diagnosed with such a, an illness that is going to be with you for many, many years to come. Was it challenging getting that diagnosis? Like, did anyone else in your family have it or did it take a while? You know, because I feel like with, we've had other experts on, on the show talking about digestive health and sometimes it can be a challenge to even like figure out what is happening or was it pretty easy? Um, it wasn't easy. I mean, I kind of definitely was just like, okay, what are the next steps? What am I supposed to do with this now? Kind of thing. It was more like curiosity rather than like, what the heck is going on? Uh, they immediately just kind of started like a medication protocol, which is kind of really interesting with ulcerative colitis because you have like a lot of immunosuppressants and a lot of corticosteroids, which are very, very strong drugs. What did, so, so when you got this diagnosis, you were 17, how did that impact mm-hmm. like going to college? You know, how did this impact your day to day, especially early on? Yeah. So, I mean, I just kind of really had to pay attention to how my body was feeling, like really just make sure that like I could succeed in all my classes as well as making sure that I was still like putting good things in my body. You know, you think you're a freshman in college, you're like, oh, I'm going to eat pizza every day, like all kinds of things like that. You're like, my mom's not around. Like I get to do whatever I want, eat whatever I want. And so I kind of had to keep that in the back of my head kind of thing. Yeah. There's a lot of changes that, you know, that I just think back to that time, at least for me personally, it's such a transition in life, but then I can't imagine getting this, you know, diagnosis. I think, I feel like it goes both ways, right? Some teenagers might not like blow it off and think nothing of it, but for you, was Mm -hmm. it, was it something that impacted, like, talk to us a little bit more about like, did you experience flare ups? Like, was it better or worse or how was it kind of navigating through that piece through college? I've experienced a few flare ups since my diagnosis. Obviously there are good and bad days, but really you just kind of have to just kind of really be kind to your body. Just like, really, that's one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn is like, don't push it because your body is going to slow you down, whether you like it or not. Yeah. What is it? What does it mean? A flare up? Can you explain to listeners what, like what that, what that looks like, what that feels like for you? Yeah. So just in general, just like digestive distress, kind of like really like cramping, bloating kind of thing, fatigue, just like really not a lot of fun stuff. One of my worst flare ups, I got really bad joint pain. And so it was difficult, like even walking downstairs. And I can't imagine I have some clients who I work with who also struggle with, you know, chronic disease, such as like fibromyalgia. And we've had a lot of conversations and I'm curious your perspective on this. You know, it's very frustrating for them when they're experiencing a lot of that physical pain, because it's not something that you can see. And so to them, Mm -hmm. it feels like this challenging balance of, or maybe dialogue in your head is the right way to say like, you know, I don't look sick air quotes. So how have, did you have to navigate any of that, especially, you know, working and, and graduating college? What was that kind of next step for you? Oh, absolutely. I personal trained for a few years at a studio and it was incredibly hard because obviously you want to show up and give your clients your energy and your time and like what they're there for and what you want to help them with. But at the same time, you're like, okay, it's 
five o'clock in the morning and I'm meeting with this person. And I spent like all night being up and down because my stomach hurt and my joints hurt. Like it's kind of like a compromise. Yeah. And being on your feet, you you mentioned like it was hard. You've been at points where it's been hard to even like stand, you know, you're so fatigued. Uh, How is that even 10 times harder as a trainer? Oh, it's definitely 10 times harder, but it almost makes you develop a lot more empathy, especially working with different types of clients because you're like, okay, well, if I'm supposed to be young and like spry and healthy and feeling this, like some of these people are older and like, obviously like you can age wonderfully, but there are a lot of issues come with aging and like, you got to think, oh, these people have kids that they've probably been up with all night as well. And like different circumstances kind of make you more empathetic to everyone. Yeah. I love that perspective. Like and that's, I think that says a lot about just you and your attitude and your personality, just that you're right. It, we do as trainers have to have this empathy of what other people are going through, especially if we've never experienced it. But that I love that they gave you that perspective at such a young age for mm-hmm. some of those older populations that you've worked with. What about your relationship like with food and movement? How has this diagnosis, how did it, how does it impact like your relationship with food and movement? I feel like I've had a pretty good relationship with food throughout most of my life. I mean, I've usually like not attached much like psychological thought a lot of times, Um, maybe like here and there being like, oh, I don't want to eat too much of this because obviously I know what's going to happen in my body if I do. But I'm never like, it's never like a, oh, I shouldn't eat this because of like, calorie count, that kind of thing. But honestly, one of the things that was hard because like, there are a lot of things that you can't eat or like with specific uh, patients, like it differs patient to patient, but a lot of us have the same trigger foods, but for a lot of people, it's random. And just kind of really coming to terms with the fact like, okay, I'm a teenager, like I should be able to eat whatever I want and be fine. Like this should be no problem. Like, but like, oh, I can't have pizza three days in a row with my friends, like that kind of thing. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, because we talk about in, intuitive eating a lot, of course, on the, on the podcast. But when there is some sort of medical diagnosis where nutrition changes have to, it sounds like you got a good grip from it from a young age of exploring, not, not attaching morality to it. But for you, it was genuinely more, if I eat this, I will be sick, <laughs> which... Yeah. But at the same time, seeing all your friends eating the same types of foods, that's no fun either. No, not at all. So were there times as a teen where you just said, forget it, I'm going to feel crummy anyways and eat it? Or do you still experience that? Or talk to us like what that feels like or how you navigate it? In college, especially because you're like, I'm going to go to the dining hall and like, I'm going to eat what I want. It's like, honestly like just being younger, it was sometimes out of spite and other times it's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, I just want to eat what I want right now mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, right now, like into adulthood, it's kind of, it's kind of lessened, like being less spiteful about that. Um, mm-hmm. It's more like, uh, I can have some of this, but like, this is going to be like my only little portion of it. I'm not going to like make myself feel sick, but I'm still going to enjoy myself. Yeah. I love that you use that word spite because we talk about that a lot too with intuitive eating. There's like this rebel for many adults. There is this like rebel child in them where 
you know, maybe there's certain foods that were off limits as a kid. And it's like this little teenager Mm -hmm. in us that wants to go, well, I'm going to eat it because I can, or I'm going to eat all of it because nobody's here to tell me not to. Right. And so that's a great example of how somebody maybe with a new diagnosis might be feeling as well with new foods or oh yeah absolutely finding out trigger foods and recognizing yeah. like okay my diet should or should change in order to help improve this yeah and what? honestly one of the one of the weird things with something like this is that sometimes even healthy foods can be trigger foods like raw vegetables and fruits are definitely a trigger food for myself and a lot of other patients um just simply because those are hard to break down foods while they have several nutrients in them. And like, they are absolutely good for you. It's definitely harder for your gut to easily break them down. Yeah. Wait, let's talk about that for a minute. Have you ever been in social situations either early on or even as adulthood where you've had to kind of explain, explain this to people and help people understand like, you know, what's health, air, we're using air quotes here, healthy for you isn't necessarily healthy for me. Have you had to explain that? And how have you been able to explain that to people? Yeah, I mean, I kind of definitely just explain it. Just, I mean, I don't make a big deal of it just in the sense of like, you don't think someone not eating ice cream because they're lactose intolerant is weird. So like, hey, this is something that is not necessarily good for me to eat a lot of it. So like, even though it's healthy air quotes, uh, I'm just going to have a little bit of it. Yeah. I think anybody listening to at the time of this recording, it's around the holidays. I think that's a great example that can translate also just to like, you don't have to necessarily explain what you eat or don't eat to anybody because really at the end of the day, like it's, it's your body, it's your health, you know, you don't really owe it to them and the less of a deal that you make of it the less people, or let me ask you this. Have you found that when you make it less of a deal, how do people respond? Usually, I mean, they won't respond too crazily to be like, oh, really? Like carrots, like like, you don't like to eat a lot of carrots. Like those are healthy. Like you're a fitness person. Like you should Mm -hmm. love vegetables and fruits and stuff. Like, "Eh, not necessarily. Yeah. And there's like, oh, okay. So the, the, it's like our response almost sets the tone of that conversation of, well, it's not yeah. a big deal to me, so it shouldn't be a big deal to you. Okay, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. Mind your own plate. Right. And like, I feel like, especially going through that as an adult, especially when you're a young person in college and like, especially girls are super self-conscious about mm-hmm. how they look like going out and everything like that. And definitely comparing themselves to like other girls on campus. It's just like, okay, mind, mind yourself kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It was so much easier said than done. How, how has strength training helped you with, you know, with your diagnoses? Like, you know, just as an adult, like talk to us about just some of the ways that strength, because I know you're passionate about strength training. So tell us like why it's so important to you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, not even just the purely like kind of superficial aspect of like, oh, I'm strong and can lift this much and this much and this much. Like, it just makes me feel good to know that like, hey, at one point I was laying in a hospital bed, like getting this news that my 
like everything, most of the things about my life was going to have to be different now. And here I am just doing this and like doing it well and loving it and feeling good about myself in general. So it's comparing to that like moment where the bad, is that okay to you? Would you say like bad moments? Like how do you define, I'm curious for you, how do you define like a good day from a bad day in terms of management? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really, after so many years, you kind of, I don't want to say become numb to it, but you just kind of roll with the punches a little bit better. Definitely bad days were a little bit hard to handle, like in those first few years. But now I'm 29. So I've been, I've been dealing with this for a little over a decade. So usually when I, I know like, okay, hey, I'm having a bad day. This means I need to stick to eating things like that are easily digestible, like rice, bananas, kind of things that are like super, super mild on every part of your digestive system. And always like lots of water, that kind of thing, making sure like one of my favorite things is liquid IV, um, just because there are a lot of hydration issues that come along with that too, because most of like the water you absorb in your body is absorbed through your lower intestine. So if that's not working, you're not absorbing any water. So you need to be able to get some of those nutrients in some other way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you say, just roll with the punches, you know, what does it look like on days? We talk about strength training. And I know one of the things that you preach as well, which I love is like, follow a structured program, right? Like, like mm-hmm. <laughs> have some intention behind, yeah. behind your workouts. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but before we get there, you know, what tips do you have for somebody who maybe struggles with consistency, especially when they have some sort of diagnosis or medical condition or just some health thing that they're going through that their body literally says like, nope. <laughs> like, how do you handle that? Cause that can be really frustrating. Oh, it's definitely frustrating. It's still, it's still frustrating to like, to this day, like even as someone who has gotten in that habit of following a program, knowing what I'm going to do when. And I think that even helps because you know what you're like, you can, you can kind of like puzzle piece throughout your week. So if you know, like, a workout is going to be especially harder for you, but it's one of those bad days, switch it out with one of those days that are kind of like, like just general movement days, like get something done days. I have at least two rest days a week, I make sure of that. And then I have three workouts a week that I know I really want to hit. And then two that are just kind of like, okay, this is just something extra to keep my body moving and make me feel better. Mm, I love that. Talk to us a little bit more about that, you know, like that, that flexibility, like how can we have this structure, right? Because we talk a lot about that on, on here, on this podcast, there's a lot of people listening who struggle with that all or nothing. Like I have to go mm-hmm. hard five to six days per week. Otherwise, what's the point? So how mm-hmm. can somebody really implement and embrace kind of the concepts or the benefits of strength training without getting stuck in that rigidity? Yeah. So I always say, make sure that like you include a lot of compound movements. So movements that are incorporating different muscle groups at one time. So like squats, deadlifts, chest press, anything like that, where you're still moving, but you're moving more efficiently and working more in a shorter amount of time. So if you only have 30 minutes of your day that you know that you're going to be energized enough 
to get a workout in, include a compound movement and maybe two to three other exercises that are working similar muscle groups to that. So when I say that, I mean like, okay, you're doing squats is like your main compound movement. Do some like lunges or leg press, anything like that. Something that is operating within that same muscle group. And then you still move for that day. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, I didn't do this exercise for this many reps or this exercise for this many reps. Like you can just go in there and move how you need to move and feel good about yourself. I want to ask this question because I know somebody is driving in their car and they're thinking, wait, is she saying to do squats as one exercise and then two or three, somebody's in the car doing their math, like one, two, are you saying just doing like four or five exercises and that's a workout? Like talk to us about that because I feel like that is such a common misconception. Like I have yeah. a client, I'm going to talk about it because I don't, I don't think she's listening, but she like will only do two rounds, two sets of a move. Like she's like, I will not do any more than two sets. Like, and I've tried to educate on like, so talk to us about that, like why you can and should maybe should have a workout that only has maybe four or five exercises in it. Absolutely. Um, especially with strength training, like I feel like people confuse like the amount of time you want to do cardio with the amount of time you want to strength train. Obviously, like you're still going to get a, get a lot of benefit from doing like 10 to 15 minutes of cardio a day. Um, just because like, I mean, I'm a big avid person of like taking walks every day. And that's absolutely going to benefit you. But there's a difference between doing two or three exercises in 15 to 20 minutes and doing the elliptical for 15 to 20 minutes. You're still going to be building that metabolism as long as your weight choice is accurate. Um, so that's a big component of really being able to stick to that two to three, four exercise range. Just because obviously if you're like, given what your capability is, like if you're just squatting with five pounds, like that's not really going to be much benefit to you. Um, but if you're squatting like body weight with the bar on your back kind of thing, four to five sets of that, and then follow it up with two to three exercises, like 10 to 15 reps at a decent weight, that's going to build your metabolism and build that muscle. Yeah. Talk to us about weight selection because <laughs> that's, also, can I so, side note, because I feel like anytime I'm, do you ever feel like when you're sore and you just want to complain about it all the time? And it's like, I have to remind myself, nobody else cares how sore you are, but I just got oh, yeah. back into lifting since my race. And so Monday I did squats and I, my traps were so sore from holding the barbell. I was like, oh, yeah. what is this? So talk to us about like <laughs> appropriate weight selection and what that means. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you don't want to choose a weight that like you're like, you can barely get through the first two to three reps and you're just like terrible form from rep three on, but you want to choose a weight that's where it starts to get difficult around those last two reps is what I always suggest. Um, and it's just kind of like, you're still pushing yourself, but you're not sacrificing form or what the exercise is supposed to do for you. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, of course, gosh, we could talk about there, you know, there's so many different ways, but I think when we're talking specifically about strength training and, and building that strength, like if that is your focus and you're picking a day where you are doing, you know, four or five exercises max, like 
picking a weight selection that you actually need a break from. <laughs> like, like you yeah. don't necessarily, that's not always the goal to be able to go boom, boom, boom as fast as you can, because you're missing yeah. out a lot of the benefits. Oh, absolutely. Which is always funny. Like we both work for work for the studio. And so a lot of times you, <laughs> like that, you see like, oh yeah, like I'm doing a weight that is like way below what I can actually live, but I finished before everyone else. I'm like, no, that's not the point. Right. It's okay to rest. It's okay to take a, a break. You know, that's actually yeah. probably preferred than just getting through as many rounds as fast as you can. At yes. a medium weight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We could, we could talk all day on that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what about, you know, can you maybe touch a little bit more on some of the different options? You know, you mentioned like if somebody only has three days, what are some of the different ways to structure strength training? Like, like if you, if somebody listening, they decide, okay, this is what I want to focus on. I want to really focus on building strength. How can they, what are some different options to structure the week? And, and can't like, do yeah. they have to do a certain number of a certain number of days or what's like the least somebody needs to do, if that makes sense? I would always, I mean, to really like break ground on your goals, at least three days a week, simply because if you do two days a week, yeah, you can definitely see progress there, but it's definitely not going to be as quickly as if you include that third day. So Usually if one of my clients only is working out two to like three days a week, I will have them say like, I'll do an upper, a lower and a full body or something similar to that where you're still like getting some main movements in there, but you're not like dedicating whole days to like, oh, this is going to be like a shoulder day, an arms day and like that kind of thing. Because really you're not being as efficient with your time as you could be. And so you're kind of sacrificing progress in that sense. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. And and that's I think that's one of the reasons I really love strength training is because regardless of what season of your life, it sounds like based on what you're saying, you know, if you really are into strength training right now, you could program or, or somebody like you could write a program for them that incorporates lifting weights five days a yeah. week if they wanted. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But they could also, if they don't have that time commitment, or maybe somebody's listening and they're like, I want to strength train, but I'm not crazy about it yet. I'm working towards it, right? Maybe they, it's easier for them to wrap their head around three days. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are a lot better off starting with that three days, especially like with you, what you mentioned. Like the, <laughs> so the they can walk. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so like, like I'm already this sore and it's only like two days in and like, oh goodness. And it's so like three days is definitely like a very, very good split that you can make progress and reach your goals on. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's encouraging for somebody starting out, like you can still get benefits. And I always say like, let's work smarter, not necessarily harder. Like let's just oh, be smarter with our time, smarter with our workouts. You know, if mm. some sort of fitness goal is your priority, you don't have to kill yourself to accomplish those no, goals. No. Do it in a way that's just smarter. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to what you talked about before, you know, do you have any tips for somebody who's maybe stuck in that comparison mode? You, know, you mentioned like you, for you, it's motivating to think about when you're in the hospital bed, but maybe the flip side, like any tips for somebody who's struggling with comparing themselves to a previous version of them or feel like they're starting over. Oh, absolutely. I mean, 
in the middle of kind of in the middle of my fitness journey since I've been diagnosed. So around when I was, I would say, gosh, like 22, 23 is when I had one of my really bad flare ups. It's the one where I like had joint pain and could barely like move, walk downstairs kind of thing. And it was just really, really hard. And it was hard to come back from that after I started feeling better. And it was like, oh, I had made all this progress and I've been lifting for a few years already. And like, now that's kind of like poof, gone kind of thing. Like, and it's so difficult to make yourself start again and have that voice in your head, like going like, oh, like just six months ago, this was, this would have been way too easy for you. Now you're struggling just to do a squat with like a 20 pound dumbbell. Like, and it's so, it's very, very difficult. And I think one of the things that got me through that is just remembering that I, I've done this once, like we can build up this muscle again. You have done so many more hard things than this. And this journey, it's about the journey. It's not about real necessarily where you want to be. It's about just checking in with yourself every day and like making yourself feel better. Cause I knew like what kept me going was ultimately, I knew this was helping me through this. Like whether I had these big goals in mind or not, just simply moving was going to be good for me. Mm. I love that reminder of like I started summer, right? Because everybody, no matter who's listening, you had to start, you had to start somewhere (laughs) recognizing like I started once I can start again. Do you have any other tips? I love that. Like for just even like that first getting started. Cause like you said, it is hard. And I think that sounds like maybe the first step is recognizing that. Yes, it's hard. (laughs) Like how does somebody actually get themselves to start? Right. Like instead of pushing it off, like, okay, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. Right. Tomorrow never comes. Yeah. I mean, as much as I would love to be able to just give everyone like a this is how you start and you can do this and you're going to do great. And it's going to go amazing. And like, you're not going to have any issues whatsoever and it's going to be perfect. But in reality, even like week to week, you're going to be like, okay, I'm not really feeling like you. It ultimately a lot of times is just going to come down to good old fashioned discipline and really reminding yourself that this is good for you. Like it's not a punishment. Yeah. And I always say too, if, if it comes to the point where you really aren't enjoying it, like you, you right, you get started and you still hate yeah. it. <laughs> then oh, what? Yeah. Then what tips do you have in that situation? I mean, if you really hate it, like while I love strength training, there are so many modes of fitness and movement. Like one of my best friends, she does yoga. And I'm just like that, like I took a class with her a few weeks ago and it absolutely kicked my butt. I'm just like, this is crazy. Like but it's so fun to it's also fun to kind of feel like a beginner again because you're just like okay well what fun things can I learn how how can I make this journey enjoyable yeah that's great advice like have fun can we flip our perception right we talk a lot about this in terms of food and just learning and unlearning and can we shift that maybe that's a reframe for somebody who's just starting out like can you look at being a beginner as a fun thing again versus Mm -hmm. feeling so defeating, it should really feel more empowering knowing that you get to see yourself go from point A to point B and so on and so forth. And you get to start again with 
the previous knowledge. Like mm. you're not, you're ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. This isn't so good. Any other just like tips or not? I mean, you have so many golden nuggets. I feel like that we can pull, but just for somebody who's maybe going through, you know, like I said, a new diagnosis or just, just in a, maybe in a rut with their fitness. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things that have helped me if I've been in a rut, cause like, obviously being in a gym all day, being around like that environment, you're just like, how am I supposed to enjoy going where I work or like going where I kind of see it as like, I have to be in professional mode kind of thing. Really just like setting like a fun goal. Like, hey, in five months, I want to be able to lift this much. Or in like, I want to compete in a like a powerlifting competition. That's one of the things that I did just to kind of make myself get into a routine. I compete, I've competed a couple times. Oh my gosh, um, tell us about that. What does that even mean? Explain that to people. Because now I'm yeah, inspired. So <laughs> in powerlifting competitions, you get three different attempts at, so we call them the big three, squat, bench press, and deadlift. So you get three different attempts to lift the most. So at the end, they total it and kind of put that in a system that takes in like your body weight, kind of compares that with the numbers you lifted and you get like a, it's called a Wilkes score. And so they kind of judge it based on that, but it's super fun just to, even if you're a new lifter, like you don't think like, oh, I'm not ready to compete. Like my first competition, I felt that same way. I'm just like, I am not ready to try and like compete with these people, but like, it's super fun to go in and challenge yourself. Like as much as people struggle with comparing, you've got to think like it's you, it's the cheesy saying you versus you kind of thing. Um, and it's super fun and it's super empowering to just like go in there and have everyone cheering for you while you're trying to do this. Yeah. I think for somebody, li- somebody listening who maybe has always had, you know, fitness goals, maybe around like running or racing or been stuck in that cardio mindset mm-hmm. and really wants to explore this area of strength training. I personally, I, I think you would agree as well that there is just some, there's just this empowering feeling that comes from being able to move a lot of weight. Like it's, it's a, it's a physical empowerment, but also being able to go, wow, no, I can, like it translates into life, right? Like I can move myself out of an apartment and like, Mm -hmm. it's fine. (laughs) I can carry all my groceries, right? Like it's just so empowering as a female, I think, especially being able to like, yes, I can do this. Oh yeah. Like, Cause it, I mean, I'm 4'11. So I'm like, I always, I'm like, I can lift a lot. Okay. (laughs) Right. Like sign up for a a lifting competition next to me and and then we'll talk. (laughs) (laughs) Where could somebody even find like a competition like that? Where would they even begin to look? Yeah. So there are definitely some that local gyms hold. I kind of found mine just through, honestly, through Instagram, just through a few people that I follow. The first time I competed, it was over on the west side at a place called the Iron Valley Barbell. And I just knew the owners and had followed them. And they had a push-pull competition, which was super fun. And then, so I've only competed in like unsanctioned meets. So they're obviously like powerlifting federations. Yeah, what does that mean? So 
they're not necessarily like drug tested or you're not competing for like record holding places. But if it's sanctioned, some of them might be drug tested. Some of them might, you might be competing for a spot in like a world competition. So it sounds like some are a little less serious for somebody starting off and they're like, I just want to go for fun and and maybe be around people who are, are also maybe there for fun could make it a little less intimidating. Yeah, that was my, that was my first couple of meets. That was my experience. Um, just going just for fun and just for the environment and just to put myself in that position of like, okay, like everyone in this room is watching me lift right now. And I like, it's not like being in the gym where you kind of feel like everyone's watching you sort of thing. It's like, okay, I'm in the middle of this room and they're expecting me to lift this right now. Yeah. And just kind of like, acquainting yourself with that pressure, so to speak. And like, it's really empowering. It's almost like this sounds like a weird example, but it's almost like giving a speech, right? It's like that, that same feeling, that adrenaline, the uncomfortable, but I think it's a great challenge. Maybe for somebody listening who wants to try something new, get outside your comfort zone. Like if you've never done it, go for it. Sounds like it's fun. Absolutely. And like, I always say this because I'm someone who not necessarily hates running, but it's not my fun thing that I like. (laughs) That's your (laughs) go-to. It's definitely not my go-to, but I think one of my goals is I want to be able to like run a half marathon by the end of next year. No, that's super lofty goal as someone who just ran a full marathon. (laughs) Um, But I've always been like, okay, I want to challenge myself differently not necessarily like okay how much weight can I lift like can my body run through 13 miles mm-hmm. okay here you've heard it here first listeners Shelby you you sign up for your half marathon I will sign up <laughs> for a lifting competition and we will yeah we both push ourselves <laughs> outside our limits oh my gosh that'd be so much fun where can our listeners find you? And especially if they want to work with you, tell us a little bit more about some of the services you offer and how they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So right now I offer online coaching. So just kind of all the things that come with that. You get your workouts, you get your check-ins. I'm available through text or email all throughout the week if you have questions. And you can find all of that info on my Instagram. Um, it's at graves underscore fit. And that's where I have like all of my client stories, kind of how to reach me sort of thing. And we will we will definitely link to that in the show notes. So if you're thinking about this, you're like, I want to get into lifting even better. I don't even want to think about it. I want a coach who or a trainer who has empathy, like Shelby's your girl right here. So I love to finish all our episodes and our guest interviews with this question, especially because it's not Friday. Today's Thursday, right? It's Thursday. Close enough. We're we're towards the end of the week. So what is the best thing that's happened to you this week? Well, okay. I was thinking about this question. And so it's going to happen tonight at midnight, but my favorite singer is Taylor Swift. Yes. She's (laughs) recording all her albums. So the red re-recording comes out tonight at midnight, everyone. So, Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm so excited. And I'm traveling tomorrow. My friend actually just texted me. She's like, oh, you get to listen to red all while you travel. And I was like, hallelujah. I know, I Can't wait. So <laughs> I love that. That's the best thing. Awesome. So good. <laughs> Thank you, Shelby, so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Fit Friends Happy Hour. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with a friend. You can subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Fit Friends Happy Hour. Talk to you next time.